0: Hey, what's up, people? Welcome to another edition this is the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. It's sincere Hogan, that's me. Got my buddy Mike Marlon on the other line. What's going on, my man? Oh, I'm doing great,
1: man. I'm excited about today's guest. We have a, a real nutrition expert on today. And what I like about the guy is that he's, he's very strong with what he believes in, but he's, right. he's not dogmatic. He doesn't try to shove it down people's faces. And I've heard him say on other interviews, hey, look. If you get good results with what you're doing, then stick with it. You know, exactly. that, that's whenever I hear people say reasonable stuff like that, that that makes me really tune in to what they have to say. You know, when yeah. someone has to, when someone says, "Look, this is better than everyone, everything else, no matter what," then it's like, "All right, guys, come on."
0: Yeah, here's the, here's what's the, what's the cool the thing about our guest today is the fact that you know, over the past year that we've had the show, you know, we've gone, we've talked about different ways, different ways of eating. We've talked about vegan, vegetarian, pretty much. Any eat anything you want to, my, my type of diet. <laughs> and, you know, but you know, we've always we've had our listeners that are out there that have said, hey man, when are you gonna get somebody to come in and talk about primal or paleo? And you know, right. you guys never talk about that. So they started thinking we're being biased, like, no, here's the deal. We're not just gonna have any jackass off you know, who's just reading something and regurgitating stuff with right. no type of evidence, nothing in the lab, no kind of science behind it, come on the show and just be very dogmatic about something. We want to get you guys
2: some- out and found the primary jackass <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. We want the
2: ultimate jackass, we want the source of all the
1: jackass. Don't the, bottom the source of jack- all jackass. The There's so many yeah. paleo jack-offs up there. We want the
0: source of all of that. <laughs> like, you know, we, we, we want to get the one who started all this madness now, man. To
2: be the top of the bottom,
0: <laughs>
2: and, and,
1: and he does CrossFit too. I mean, come on, man. This is, <laughs> You're killing his son, obviously. This is like a gift wrap basket right here. So we, you know, both under the bus, hardcore now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but all, j- all joking aside, man, we want to welcome Rob Wolf to our show, man. How you doing, Rob?
2: <laughs> great, great. Huge honor to be on the show. I'm a big fan of both of you guys, so huge honor to be here. Well,
1: awesome. thanks a lot, Rob. I mean, you're the author of The Paleo Solution, very well-written book, and you're very well-researched. I'm, I'm curious, how did this whole journey start for you? How did you get into the whole paleo
2: diet? Oh, man, you know, I, I – uh, uh, grew up with some some very sick parents I mean kind of standard American diet uh, smoking booze I, I remember my mom had a gallbladder removal I, I think probably about age 32 um, maybe, maybe uh, 32 34 like I, I just remember both parents being sick mm. the whole time that I was growing up and I I'd, looking back I had a lot of problems too like I, I had a uh, chronic ear infections chronic like uh, you know it seemed like I would get um, Strep throat, like about every two months, uh, uh, you know, always on antibiotics. Went on antibiotics for for bad acne and stuff like that. And I just had this sneaky suspicion that there was probably a better way to eat than, uh, uh, you, you know, or that that the better eating would produce some sort of, you know, benefit. What was
1: your diet like back then?
2: You know, it, uh, so I got into powerlifting pretty early on, and I was really fortunate to work with two guys that were world champion powerlifters, Danny Thurman, who's still uh, uh, competing at a very high level in powerlifting, and then a, a guy, Rich Woods, who's, I believe, retired. But both these guys were at the top of the food chain in powerlifting, like the, the mid, mid-80s mid heading into the 90s. And so at that time, I was eating, you know, kind of a high-protein, high-carb, bodybuilder type, type diet, but, you know... Uh, 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 rice and, and uh, the, the milk, I remember making these horrible um, uh, because I was a broke you know high school student. I would go <laughs> get like these big boxes of powdered milk oh, of that regular milk and then I, I would buy 50 uh, pound bags of rice, and I would make my own post-workout drink out of this stuff. And I even remember putting, like, tuna in this stuff oh, and, like, gosh. blending it up and drinking <laughs> it. You know what's sad, so, Rob,
1: is that quality-wise, that's probably better than a lot of the, yeah, protein, the protein powders. powders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because yeah. at least
2: that's real food. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, but uh, uh, choking. And so, I I mean, asking me what I – you know, it was – when I look back, it probably wasn't horrible by, by most accounts. But it, yeah. it, it definitely could have some – some tweaks and fiddles, um, over the course of time, I actually started migrating more towards kind of a, a vegetarian and eventually a vegan diet. And it, you know, what's interesting looking back at that for me at that time, things didn't really work that well. I developed a ulcerative colitis, a bunch of GI related problems. I walk around probably about 170, 175, uh, pretty lean, reasonably strong at that weight. I developed a, essentially a wasting condition hmm. Where I got down to about 135 pounds, and I mean, I was throwing food down my my pie hole like you couldn't believe, but it was coming in and going out, essentially going out the other pie (laughs) hole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But but, you know what? What we definitely figured out is that I had a serious gluten intolerance. Mm. Um, My I I discovered at this time also, my mother, who had been again sick for a long time, she had uh, it, it was discovered she had rheumatoid arthritis, lupus. Sogren's disorder, basically this interrelated autoimmune complex. Mm-hmm. And her rheumatologist figured out that she was intolerant to grains, legumes, and dairy. Mm-hmm. And so she told me this on the phone. She had actually gone in the hospital, almost died from uh, some inflammation around her heart and lungs. They managed to get a handle on that uh, with some uh, uh, very potent anti-inflammatories and some, some uh, you know, like methotrexate, like some uh, uh, things used with with cancer and autoimmune diseases. And then they did some further testing, figured out that she had these intolerances, and I was thinking about all the GI problems that I had going on. And this was around 1997, 1998, and I I just it was almost this kind of like flow of thought kind of thing, Gestalty kind of deal. And I thought, "Well, if my mom's got problems with grains, legumes, and dairy, what the heck would you eat if you didn't eat that?" And just this idea of a paleo diet. I'd heard of this paleo diet idea. Um, I don't know where but you know, it just kind of popped into my head and I got in and started uh, searching around on this new thing called Google and uh, <laughs> I found this guy, Lauren Cordain, another guy, Art Devaney who had done some writing and they talked about like uh, you know, kind of the anti-predation chemicals in, in grains and legumes and how they can cause some gut irritation in certain people. And so I did some research on it and uh, tweaked my my nutrition around. And lo and behold, I, I you know just had this uh, complete health transformation off of that. But what's interesting looking back at this, um, I was also trying to go to medical school. I moved from sunny California to not sunny Seattle. Yeah. Um, I, I know looking back, I was vitamin D deficient. I was getting three or four hours of sleep a night, had been doing that for – you know, four years, just, just total type A personality. And, right. and, uh, think I had just driven myself down to a nub. And so this is one of the interesting things. And I, I really appreciate the fact, you, you know, in the intro, you guys said that I, I'm, I'm, you know, hopefully not, not super dogmatic. I would say early in this process, because the change was so profound for me, I was actually very dogmatic about this stuff. But over the course right. of time, when I've looked back at this, it wasn't just my food that was broken. I was living like an asshole and I was <laughs> suffering the consequences, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, over the course of time, again, you know, like the like one thing that I really just don't tolerate still is any type of gluten product, but I have tinkered with reintroducing, uh, things like white potatoes and white rice and, and some occasional legumes and stuff like that. And I have no problems with that. And, and because I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu these days in a, a old dude, category. I actually do, uh, uh, pretty well with that stuff. I still eat more or less paleo, you know, it's more fruits, vegetables, root shoots, tubers, uh, grass fed meat and that sort of stuff. Right. But I've really, um, I've tried to get in and map what I, you know, what I do and don't do well with and things that in the past that seemed to cause me problems now that I sleep well and I get some sun and my vitamin D levels are good and all that sort of stuff. Um, obviously hormonal status, HPTA axis, dysregulation, you know, uh, hypothalamus, adrenal, sure. uh, uh, you know, thyroid interactions um, probably is an even bigger factor than the, the food for a lot of people. And, and just as an interesting side note, the thing that I think really, really kicked off my, my uh, severe gluten intolerance, I was traveling through Central America and I caught a gut bug. I, I caught Giardia and I, I in some subsequent research it, it really looks mm-hmm. like that people who get exposed to one of these really gnarly gut pathogens they can go from like a subacute kind of reactivity to gluten or dairy or different things and right. then it becomes like china syndrome meltdown yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. so well that's what i'm curious about i'm
1: mm-hmm. curious how if so if it is is it someone's gut health that's the problem initially and that's why they have a problem with gluten dairy legumes or is it the opposite they had a healthy gut and then they overconsumed those foods and that caused gut issues or maybe somewhere in the middle
2: of all of that and living there they develop some health issues and then when they start trying to unravel what's going on they're like well, what are you talking about like my my sleep and exercise affects my gut biome and my gut biome the the bugs that live in my gut actually affect how i h- handle or don't handle different foods and it's like yeah and the fact that you're a night shift firefighter you know, that's going to affect you in way more dramatic ways than if you're just like a, a stay at home mom or dad, or like you work an eight to five job and you're not sleep deprived right. um, five days out of 10. You know, and you start getting all these nuances that are good to know and you can help a lot of people with it, but it gets very challenging to have a simple story that people don't get completely blown out of the water and they're like, forget it, I'm going to eat Doritos and I'll just go on stat. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah.
1: I think people often diminish the importance of nutrition, but at the same time, they also diminish the importance of sleep, restoration stress management or even more <clears throat> important eradicating things that cause stress wherever possible. Right. You know, if you have a job you hate or you're in a relationship that's completely draining or all your friends are losers, <laughs> then you can you know you can eat the most perfect diet in the world and you're still going to feel like crap. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. so it's an important thing, so, but I think when you start taking charge of your nutrition and you start feeling better just like when you take charge of your your training, your exercise regimen and so forth, that gives you the confidence as well as the the real energy to start taking charge of other areas of your life. Have you found that when people get on paleo diets or whatever modification you recommend that when they start feeling healthier it starts having benefits in other components of their life?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure and it, you know it, it, you sound somewhat less crazy <laughs> like if you can get that initial buy-in <laughs> and kind of like okay so uh, you know I know, you know, I don't have that gut bloat anymore. I've lost some weight. I feel better. My joints aren't achy. So you're telling me that if I go to bed earlier, that this will all improve as well. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and, uh, uh, so it, it, it's, it's kind of funny I've, uh, you know, when, when I, was early in coaching folks on this stuff. I really overeducated and jabbered way too much. And I probably chased as many people out of our gym as, as <laughs> actually ended up helping them. And now it's almost like I try, it's a, it's almost a game of trying to figure out, um, like I, I think Dr. Seuss wrote a couple of books and, and, uh, uh, he tried to do it with like 50 words or less or something, you know, like this really limited vocabulary. And like, I've right. tried to sure. do that. Like I try to say as little as I possibly can, because the more that I say, it creates more and more questions. I'm basically just like, please, for the love of God, do this for 30 days, and then we'll we'll reevaluate. You know how insane this stuff is. And usually, mm-hmm. if I get some buy-in, then folks are kind of like, okay, they start modifying their sleep. And, and uh, uh, we we were a CrossFit uh, uh, facility. We haven't been a CrossFit facility since about 2009. But you know, part of our challenge on the training and exercise side is giving people what, what is for them a therapeutic dose instead of an annihilating dose. And wow. that's hard as hell to do. Yeah. Um, people are, are just, uh, uh, really hell bent on, quick, um, you quick know, fix. The, the white, yeah, the quick fix and the white Buffalo in the sky. Like if they didn't <laughs> almost die from the workout, they're like, man, I'm not getting,
1: <laughs> this. and, uh, I, I, think, I think CrossFit proliferates that quite a bit. What, what made you move away from a
2: CrossFit model? Well, one, they kicked me out. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, so that, well, that makes it easier. <laughs> <laughs> kind of easy. They're like, yeah, um, it hit the road. But, you know, and, and what's funny is the, the booting came about from just saying, hey, we should focus on food quality. We should have business systems in these gyms. Um, we should really think about the minimum effective dose for the bulk of people. And th- this was something that was really. Cool about CrossFit in the beginning. If you poke around on the website from like two thousand one, two thousand two, oh, I remember. The, mm-hmm. You know, they had a, a, a Greg Glassman is a very, very smart guy, and he's he's very savvy with economics and markets and stuff like that. Sure. And he he really tried to figure out what was a, a maximum return on investment, like minimum dose, maximum return, mm-hmm. and and that was just an amazing thing. And I think it's something that is very, very powerful, but. And another thing that is great is this sport of fitness, you know, like the CrossFit games and everything. That's amazing. But that is a completely different story. On the one hand, you have a strength and conditioning approach that is a minimum effective dose. You know, what's the minimum work I can do to get the maximum result? The sport of fitness is what's the most work that I can do without dying? (laughs) And, And those are totally different stories. And both of them have great places, great application, but the unfortunate thing is, is that because the competitive element of this has has shown such a light on CrossFit that that's mainly what folks want to do, and most um, most of the trainers just haven't been given you know any of these uh, models of like allostasis and and periodization and right. and thinking about providing a, a window of adaptation for people and progression instead of scaling. And the gyms that do that do very very well. And mm-hmm. interestingly, the gyms that actually do a good job training um, high-level CrossFit Games athletes like uh, uh, C.J. Martin owns CrossFit Invictus down in San Diego. He has a periodized program. He thinks about allostasis. He's always thinking about, you know, dose response curves and stuff like that. And that story works whether you're talking about a a top-of-the-food chain athlete or – you know, just your your uh, uh, run-of-the-mill, you know, uh, client that comes in and just wants to lose some weight and feel better.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, u- ultimately, a model has to go in that direction. Otherwise, it's only going to appeal to people that are genetically predisposed to, to thrive, but even they're only going to have limited results without a properly programmed designed program. I think I think one of the, sometimes, some, some of the issues I see with CrossFit program design are just Some of the things just don't make sense, such as three posterior chain exercises all done in a row in a circuit. So, for example, deadlift for repetitions, then box jumps, then power cleans, right? So, I mean, deadlifts, especially power cleans, a technically driven exercise. The last thing you want to do is be in a fatigue state doing that, especially as a beginner who is not proficient with the execution of the move. And then box jumps for repetitions. So, I mean, these these are all – Deadlifts is are more technically technically demanding than most people realize. I mean, it's not technically demanding at a amateurish level when you're just picking up your body weight or so, but when you get into a really when you're doing double body weight or triple body weight, if you're not technically proficient, you're really going to hurt yourself. So or, There's a, there's or a, a lot of technique 100,
2: there. 180 uh, heartbeat per minute. Yeah. Things, yeah. yeah. Things, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, standing upright becomes a technical challenge. Yeah, I I
1: don't want to be in a really fatigued state and then do heavy deadlifts, for example. So, I mean, these things – I mean, obviously, you can design things well where you take care of issues. But I think you hit the nail on the head. A a lot of the CrossFit gyms are doing a great job now with program design. And I've taught courses all over the world at a lot of CrossFit gyms with great trainers that know how to program things very well and get excellent results for their clients without – the typical injuries that we see at a lot of CrossFit gyms.
0: Yeah. Those are what I right. call the black sheep boxes. And those are the ones I like to work with. You know, they're the black sheep and they're the ones that pretty much, they kind of, they, they go against the grain and they kind of get treated like the black sheep sometimes. So they,
2: they, they really do. And you know, the irony there is that, um, not only do they do better by their clients, they tend to be more financially successful. They tend to have longer, uh, retention. So, you know, you don't, you don't create a gym full of, of, Wimps, you know, doing right. some smart programming. You know, you actually create a vibrant, uh, uh, economically successful story, <laughs> right. and, and you keep people around over the long haul. We, exactly. we just passed. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And, is, is, yeah. Is, and when you say that, you know, most of those are more financially successful. It's funny because, you know, I agree with that. When people ask me, you know, what CrossFit gyms do I recommend here in Houston, and I tell them I pretty much recommend probably the same three guys every time. Every time, right. or, you know, you know, my man. You know my my boy Rob Xline, you know with CrossFit Mm -hmm. West Houston, you know, and also my boy Carlos of in CrossFit Houston as well. You know they're they're very very good at what they do. Rob is a guy that's continually learning, and he doesn't just learn CrossFit. I mean he's been to courses with Mike and myself, and he's continually going to other kettlebell courses to make sure that he's learning how to proper kettlebell technique and and different styles of kettlebell technique because let's just admit it, when it comes to kettlebell training in CrossFit. A lot of times it leaves a lot to be desired. It kind of, it makes you kind of cringe watching some of the stuff that's happening right there. And you know, he's not afraid to reach out to some guys who actually like, this is what they do. Let me reach out to them and learn as much as I can. So I can make sure that my clients are getting the very best for me and our, and our gym at the same time. And no one's going to get hurt. And I think that's w- what ends up happening. I think they tend to, a lot of these CrossFit gyms tend to not focus on the whole, keep this person safe. Type model, you know, it's just like, right. no, let me just kick their ass. And then let's let's take a picture of them falling out where you can just draw chalk around them or look like they just got shot you know, or something like that, man. And just, they take pride in that madness. But I'm just like, no, man, you the, the object here. The first rule is to make sure that that client leaves. First of all, they're safe. They're not injured and leave them with something where they can come back. I mean, they got a victory. Mike and I talk about this all the time. Leave them with a victory every time they go and train. Leave them with some kind of positive note where it's like, boom, they got a game. They got something here and they can come back on a high note and not just feeling defeated every time they train.
2: Yeah. Cause it, it uh, it, it, even the toughest person, like you can only show up, uh, you know, so many times where the, the 15 or 20 minute drive to the gym, you've got butterflies in your stomach. <laughs> exactly. It's like a first yeah. date. <laughs> yeah. Like you've pooped like 15 times before that cause your body is just avoiding everything because it knows it's going to be a fight for your life. And like, I think there's a lot of competitive people that dig that in the beginning. But, you know, you you even get into the Navy SEAL and spec ops community and stuff like that. And people are like, I really want to go because I really like the community there. But um, I don't know if I want another, you know, white buffalo in the sky kind of gig. And so, uh, yeah, and just giving some thought towards uh, multiple program offerings, some periodized programming and stuff like that. Uh, You you can – that way you can keep people in the program long term. We've been open. We just passed uh, 10 years in business. We have some clients that have been with us eight and a half years. And, you know, it's uh, it's challenging to keep them progressing and and, uh, and safe and keep it fun. And part of the reason why we, we did uh, multiple program offerings, uh, Olympic lifting, kettlebells, gymnastics, like all this different stuff, was that these folks still wanted to come to the gym, but they would drop off the map. And I'm like, hey, man, where have you been? And they're like, oh, you know, this, that, and the other. I'm like, hey, are you just getting tired of the beatdown? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> you know. And they feel like a failure for admitting that. But it was some really good feedback for us. And, and that goosed us into – Producing some different program offerings, and then I, I would bring those folks up and be like, "Hey, why don't you come back and check out like our our uh, lift class or our, our balanced bodies, which is basically a gymnastics class and stuff like that?" And they're like, "Oh man, I love it!" And then they'll get one, you know, one or two, you know, real uh, uh, fire uh, fire breather type workouts a week, but then they'll do uh, three really, you know easy from an intensity standpoint but you know very technical like o lifting or some power lifting we have a, a essentially like a power lifting with some some curls and tricep kickbacks class which is huge we have like a waiting list to get into this thing people love it and uh, and then they circle back around and and uh you know start doing the the kind of more like classic crossfit games prep type classes and lo and behold they're more technical and they're they're recovered and they're they're ready to to really get after it and so it, it's been good it's been really good and i really Encourage folks that that play around with this type of training to just give some thought towards um, multiple program offerings, some some different program design. My wife's website, uh, NikkiVioletti.com, She wrote a number of articles on like the on ramp, which is the whole progression for starting beginners and getting them moving through the the whole thing. We really lay out for free the whole way that we structure our our gym, and the people that have implemented that they tend to do way better financially and and uh, just less. Less of a liability risk too, like yeah. less likelihood of hurting right. somebody, which is, is yeah, a that's bonus key. for everybody. That's key. Yeah. Yeah, that key. That can
1: put you out of business. Re- yeah, it takes is one person <laughs> to, my, <laughs> yeah.
2: to my aunt and send you to bankruptcy with a
1: lawsuit right. here and there. You it know, and people yeah. want to feel good, and if you're not helping people feel good, it's going to come back to get you. But you know, to be fair to CrossFit, I, no, no movement has done more to get out functional training, whatever you want to call it, to the masses than CrossFit. I mean, the, anytime. I talk about kettlebells to someone who's not in the fitness industry, if they know what a kettlebell is, they'll always say, "Oh yeah, CrossFit, CrossFit you must yeah. do CrossFit." Same thing with Olympic lifting. You know, the average person who's in fitness, I mean, not even just just a lot of people now know about Olympic lifting, kettlebell training and, and more yeah.
2: athletic styles of yeah. weight training as opposed to bodybuilding. Knock off little uh, bells. Bill they had club bells, right. and I was right. just like, "Yeah, if CrossFit wasn't around, this wouldn't be happening. It would still be like you know step aerobic stuff here." <laughs> exactly. And,
0: and that's it. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah, because, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Go, go
1: ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying, um, Rob, brought, you also brought up a, um, a very interesting point earlier. You were saying that I'm um, just kind of going back to nutrition and, and the paleo diet. You were saying that you know you've reintroduced things such as white potatoes and, and white rice. Now that you're doing jujitsu, and one of the things that Mike and I talk about. Um, there's so many people who just like just going back to CrossFit, there's so many people when they first get into CrossFit, the first thing they do, they either get on the zone diet, you know, kind of this old school way of doing CrossFit, either the zone diet or they're going strictly paleo. But the thing is, they feel like, for some reason, they, they have this notion of thinking that this is what everyone in CrossFit is doing, including those going to the CrossFit games. And which is also when they're watching this on ESPN, you know, sitting on the couch before they make, you know, before they decide, like, oh, I'm going to go join CrossFit after watching that. They're also thinking that, OK, that's the diet they're using. And if I go do that diet and I go to a CrossFit and I train hard, I can end up on the on ESPN and get on the CrossFit games, too. It's kind of like we talk about when someone watches the UFC oh, over the weekend then all of a sudden everybody wants to sign up and go to an MMA class on Monday. But then by right. Wednesday, after getting punched in the face a couple of times, they realize, you know what? So much so <laughs> there much, be something it's, to it's this. so much yeah. easier to go to beat you know to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and just watch it and just be an armchair of Joe Rogan. You yeah, know? it's not it's not the same as punching your heavy bag at your <laughs> exactly. home gym. That's not hitting you back. It's exactly. a lot more fun when you're just doing
1: the
2: hitting. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and so, when your femur is getting sheared in half. Exactly. With a tight <laughs> kick, it's like, oh that sucks. Like, wait a <laughs> <laughs> it, it, so <laughs> and, you know, on on the nutrition side, it, it's it's interesting because it uh, you know, we're in it, the westernized countries are in the, you know, these massive, uh, uh kind of healthcare crises and, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, type two diabetes, insulin resistance, just going through the roof and people yeah. get all wrapped around the axle of like, what do you, you know, what's the cause and stuff. But right. from my experience, usually lowering glycemic load, um, typically, you know, what a denser carbohydrate sources, that's an amazing place to start. It may not be where you finish, but it can be a really, really, uh, amazing place to start. But, we have so many people that are sick that most of the messaging that goes out is this kind of lowish carb, kind of paleo story. Which for the vast majority of people, that that's really probably mainly you know what they need to hear, and and more people are are kind of needing that. Um, people really wanting to be top tier athletes, even even if the uh, you know top tier athlete is is a relative thing just for the individual that message is different. They need carbs. They need to think about post-workout nutrition and and all that type of stuff. But what the, the main message that they find is this kind of lower carb paleo and they see people lose weight with it. And you have people that are already, you know, like a male that's hovering around like 10% body fat. And he's like, well, I want to be like 6% body fat. And so they go low carb and they're doing five CrossFit classes a week. And all of a sudden they can't recover. They can't fall asleep at night. They want to sleep all day. Their adrenals and are tanked, their testosterone is tanked, and they they you know, the thing that they went after was the the fix for the fat, metabolically broken person. They didn't tackle this with an eye towards performance nutrition. And it has just been a bugger to educate people and to get enough of both of those messages out there that, like, hey, if you're an athlete and you're not metabolically broken, you probably need to tackle this in a very different way than right. your sick, metabolically broken office worker. Right. And that, I, I guess I, I look at it now as job security because it's just like people just don't really get that thing no matter how much I talk about it on podcasts or write about it on blogs or in books right. or whatever. Right. Um, you know, people are, and it, it, you know, good on them for always experimenting and, and tinkering and fiddling. But I you know, it, it, uh, keto-adapted athletes are interesting to me, but I've got to say I've devoted a lot of time in that area and really tried to figure out how to make that stuff work. Ben Greenfield yeah, has,
1: yeah. has discussed that quite a bit in his book, where he, he adapted to a low-carb diet very well for ultramarathons and so forth, and he's, he said, once you adapt to it, it's, it's, it's amazing how well it works, at least in his case. So right. it's, uh, But with, with MMA, you feel that it's a, it's a different energy system. Where you don't think it'll work yeah, quite as well. I
2: just, um, it, and you know, i I, t- it, again experimented one, but I've also worked with other people and tried to fiddle with this stuff. And it just, uh, when you're really trying to tap, you, you know, when the intensity uh, ratchets up, you, you know, as a, a relative percent of one rep max carried out for multiple repetitions or as a relative percent of VO2 max. Um, you know, you, you, ideally clearly you want to get as much of your exercise activity fat fueled as, as possible. Like th- those are, you know, the differences between the Lance Armstrong's and, and the, the kind of also Rams like the, these people have greater mitochondrial density. Right, right. They have some enzyme, you know, uh, 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 efficiencies where they mobilize fat more efficient, efficiently getting it into the, the mitochondria, moving it around the body and stuff like that. But there's some point there where you no, no matter how well adapted you are on that spectrum if you have an 800 meter sprint or a mile sprint or you're you're in the the third of a five round championship uh, MMA fight you just you there i just don't metabolically see a way around having some uh, significant reliance on on muscle glycogen and and right. uh, man I've, I've tried it and i've fiddled and again maybe somebody smarter than myself will figure it out but i right. i've broken myself i've broken quite a few other people fiddling <laughs> with that and uh I've, i in, in uh, i think but, but can you
1: can you get all the carbohydrates you need on a paleo um, with paleo choices such as sweet potato fruits and vegetables etc do you feel that that adjunct of white rice white potato etc is just more beneficial
2: I think that it, as the intensity ratchets up, it, at some point, you've kind of got to drop the fiber content and okay. increase the caloric density. Right, and, right. You know, that's where, like, uh, even white potatoes end up being kind of hard to get down relative to a white rice. You know, like, you end up eating a ton of potatoes relative to white rice or, or like, some uh, uh, noodles or something like that. Like, they're just so much more calorically dense. And when you have people that are, you know, they need to put, four to six thousand calories a day down to be able to main acti- maintain activity level um, it, it you know that's where uh, you've got to really you know you, you keep an eye on some nutrient dense stuff like so you know some berries and some good quality uh, ideally grass-fed protein and stuff like that but then it, you've, you, you you know is your gut going to be able to handle um, a, a bunch of uh, pumpkin or something that right, right. is really low? glycemic load would be great for a relatively sedentary <laughs> office worker and you right. will have that, that tour de France biker like shitting like a goose most of the way <laughs> through their, their, their thing. That, you that's know, really
1: and the key that a lot of people yeah. diminish as well is the importance of gut health. I mean if yeah. your gut is not healthy, then your your performance, and forget about your performance, your mood, your day-to-day quality of life is going to be very poor.
0: Your life is gonna, literally going to be full of shit.
2: Absolutely, yeah. It's um, it's kind of my wife does most of our bookkeeping, and you know, about every three months, she pulls out the paper shredder, and we have this like Uber mega bulletproof uh, paper shredder. But my wife will overwhelm the thing and burn the goddamn thing out. Like every about every nine months, we're like ordering a new paper shredder. I'm like, this thing has a limited capacity. It it says it will take seven sheets at a time. Trying to do ten will kill it, you know. And, <laughs> and and that's kind of the the same deal with the with the food. You know, if you're really pushing the outer edges of human performance, then things like waxy maize starch with some whey protein post workout. Um, you know, uh, rice, noodles, uh, uh white potatoes, like you, you've got to start looking at the, the caloric mm-hmm. density and uh, keeping as much of an eye towards the nutrient density, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, those sorts of things okay. as you can. But, um, you know, the calories are really going to end up being king in that. And, and, uh, uh, you know, fat is nice in that it's calorically dense, but uh, again, um, I only see up to a limited adaptation of that, you know that fat adaptation. There's some great arguments for doing some uh, periodized block training where you're where you're training in a bit of a deficit. So even right. with some MMA athletes that I work with, we'll kind of do some training blocks where they're doing not super intense training. They're doing more some volume training, like rolling and and lots of uh, uh, type pad work and stuff like that. Not super technical but kind of building engine. And I will carbohydrate restrict them for a chunk of time trying to build some of that adaptation. And also just psychologically, it sucks so bad (laughs) that they've gone to this point where they're, they're really training in a state where they're, they're just exhausted and they've got to motor through and they've got to overcome that stuff.
1: Mental toughness training.
2: Yeah. Mental toughness training and maybe getting a little bit of metabolic efficiency out of that. But but when we start getting ready for fight camp and we start ramping people up, it, it just doesn't work. You know. It, it, and, again, this has been my experiments with a good number of people. Again, maybe somebody smarter than myself someday will figure out how to make that stuff happen. Do <laughs> um, I, you I think the utilization that, of MCT oils could now, th- play a role a, in this whole that's thing? That's a really interesting thing. No. I, uh, uh, actually, DARPA, the Defense Authorization Re- uh, Research Institute, you know, a branch of the government – has really been looking at MCT oils, um, ketone esters, and ketone salts as a way of augmenting performance because there is a reality that um, one of the the main things that ends up limiting performance isn't so much like muscle glycogen. It's actually the central governor in the brain sensing our energy levels. And ketones have an interesting way of bypassing the the, uh, kind of fatigue state and the metabolic shutdown that the brain will induce on the body – and, and cause people to have a, a performance decline. Mm. And uh, uh, th- there's some interesting stuff there. And this is perhaps a story where when we figure out the uh, right dosing on MCT oils or I think even more directly doing like ketone esters, um, you would have muscle glycogen and liver glycogen at levels that are beneficial for, you know, kind of standard athletic performance. But then you throw in these ketone esters and what they actually end up doing is fueling the brain. Uh, more so than, than like a muscular contraction and stuff like that, fueling yeah. the brain, possibly fueling the heart. And you're bypassing some of the central governor elements that would shut somebody down. And, and, and again, I think that this is going to be more beneficial for longer activities versus even like a five round MMA fight, but that, right. that's still, you know,
1: are ketone if, esters available?
2: Is, 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 is there anyone selling those? There's a product I think called Delta G. Okay. And, and I think that they're available. There are ketone salts available Currently, but they taste horrible. <laughs> um, so that, that's been a small limitation in their, their application. But the, the, apparently there are some ketone ester products under development that actually taste pretty good. They can be mixed up in a shake format. Yeah. And uh, uh, this uh, research that I've seen that's come out of the military is very interesting hmm. for that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, we're talking about MCT oils and we're talking about fats. Come on, Rob. I got to ask your opinion, man. Everybody's getting on this butter kick right now. I mean, to the point, yeah, they put in their coffee, but now you got people actually just eating butter directly. And they're not necessarily the people we're talking about that you're mentioning here. We're talking about more high level athletes or anything like that. We're talking about a lot of people who are looking at this. These are the people who are just sitting on the couch and they're thinking like, well, you know, I don't want to eat any more carbs and I'll just put all this fat in my coffee or eat all this butter. So therefore, I'm feeling full. So therefore, I won't have to eat any food or feel like i need to eat anything and i can just go throughout the day without eating just kind of i'm starving myself but i'm not starving myself so it's kind of like an appetite suppressant by having all this fat in their diet what is your opinion on this man i have to ask you with this whole butter phenomenon that's going on right now
2: i wrote about like buttered um uh cream mct oil coffee back in uh 2003 and i also wrote about um intermittent fasting around them for the the performance menu. And I think that these things are really interesting, but I ended up largely abandoning these things because Mm -hmm. I didn't like the results that I saw in the broader scene. And, And part of that was because I was kind of earlobe deep in the CrossFit scene again. And so we were trying to take these very glycogen demanded athletes and these people who were, who were training at the outer edges of human performance and these these same people that were willing to train that hard were also willing to intermittent fast for 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Like they're already a type A personality. And what right. I found is that, you know, like the the buttered coffee, the kind of bulletproof coffee type stuff, the intermittent fasting, certain people do really, really well with that. But I find it to be more of like a actually the kind of sedentary crowd that that isn't super active where I see this stuff really blow up in the the person's face is when they're very, very active, particularly in that kind of MMA, CrossFit, you know, again, glycogen demanding scene. Now, where I see some people kind of going south on the Bulletproof Coffee gig is that they'll end up having three of these things a day and each one of them is like an 800-calorie whack. (laughs) And so we're talking about like 2,400 calories, you know, of just liquid food that they've slowed down and then they end up doing a meal or two on top of that and then lo and behold, you know, they end up like, getting super chubby. And, and we, we did a, a risk assessment program here for the city of Reno, city of fire. A uh, couple of years ago, we put uh, 30 police and firefighters that were at high risk of, of uh, type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease, put them on a paleo diet, help modify their sleep, put them on a, a better training regimen. And based off the changes that we got in their cardiometabolic parameters, uh, it, it's estimated to save the city of Reno about 22 million people. And ate very closely at folks lipoproteins which um, people are usually familiar with HDL and LDL cholesterol, but cholesterol is carried around by HDL and LDL lipoproteins, and those are really the things that we we want to look at. And one of the things that we've seen with folks doing um, the uh, the buttered coffee is that their lipoprotein count will sometimes skyrocket. Mm, and yeah. uh, that's very concerning it doesn't do it with everybody um, but there, there's a, a big enough chunk of people out there that um, uh, they should they should definitely get their their uh, lipoprotein numbers checked uh, not just a uh, you know standard lipid panel of the uh, total cholesterol HDL cholesterol LDL cholesterol but they need to get LDLP LDL particle count HDL particle count aPOB um, maybe LPPLA 2 LP little a couple of Couple of things like that, and I've got some blog posts that talk about that stuff if people want to want to geek out on it. But um, it's concerning. There are some people that are potentially doing some long term damage on themselves. And again, this was some stuff that I was very intrigued about because of the therapeutic potential of a ketogenic diet for you know cancers, for neurodegenerative diseases. Again, um, a sick population may benefit from some very different things versus an athletic population.
1: Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself: Is it is it more beneficial than eating a balanced diet full of the balance of protein, good carbohydrates, good fats, and, and, a, yeah, and, yeah. A, and a variety Definitely. of tastes. Even, even, yeah. you know yeah. whether someone whether someone is sick or they're an athlete, it's always it good food is always going to be universally beneficial, right? Right. Yeah. And
2: you you, you yeah. know at the at the end of the day, load sources so sweet potatoes and fruit and all that sort of stuff, right? And then fat largely incidental to your protein sources, or maybe a little bit of extra like coconut oil or olive oil or almonds or something, but sure. not just like drowning your food in that, that seems to be a pretty safe spot for most people to yeah. start. And we don't break lipids. We're getting enough carbs that if the person is uh, very active, we may need to ratchet those carbs up, but we're not dropping them so dramatically that they just end up tanking, tanking right. and we end up with uh, uh, you know adrenal issues and stuff. Right. So as a As a safe kind of, you know, when you're little kids and you're playing tag and you had like the safe home base or whatever. Right. (laughs) Pretty safe home base to start from and then start tinkering from there.
1: Right, right, right. That's very reasonable advice for sure. What do you think about meal frequency? Are you someone that advocates several small meals per day or longer stretches between meals? Uh, What's your take?
2: You know, um, I I actually think there's some pretty good argument, even though I just was kind of bashing on uh, intermittent fasting a minute ago. I (laughs) think – You know, getting a little bit of a spread between meals, there's some really good argument for that. Um, Depending, again, on your stress level, um, your sleep and all the rest of that stuff, uh, that may become uh, problematic. In general, I I like like two to three meals a day. One of those meals could even be a snack. I like a little bit larger meal in the evening that seems to kind (laughs) of ramp down the parasympathetic or the sympathetic nervous system and get you into Mm kind of restoration mode. That seems to work pretty well. If somebody has some adrenal issues, some blood sugar regulation issues, some thyroid issues, they may not do well on that. Right, they may need to do more like five to six small meals a day and kind of titrate those meals. Do you think over
1: time that person would do better with long stretches though, where they can rejuvenate insulin receptors, insulin sensitivity, leptin sensitivity, or is it because of the adrenals are so shot?
2: That I, I they think need
1: those just, more hits
2: throughout I the day. I think their ability to go further and further between meals is a nice diagnostic measure for how healthy they are. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And, and as we start, you know, if it's a male with low testosterone and, and impacted adrenals and thyroid, as that stuff starts getting fixed, then they'll notice, hey, I can, I can go – Three hours instead of two hours without, you know, wanting to rip somebody's arm off <laughs> <laughs> right. and stuff like that. Yeah, that's
1: so, what I feel too. I feel that your ability to go fairly long stretches, five, six hours, up to eight hours, is a good sign of how well you're utilizing the foods you're eating as well as your endocrine health. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who's just hungry all the time, you have breakfast, and then two hours later, you're hungry. Either it was a really crappy breakfast that you ate, which is probably the case. (laughs) Which leads (laughs) to the second point you're probably about to. (laughs) If you have Cheerios for breakfast or Wheaties, then yeah, that's not going to sustain you for any long period of time. But if you have a good balance of good proteins, fats, and low glycemic carbohydrates, that should sustain
2: you for a long period of time. And if it doesn't, then we've got something broken. We need to find a functional medicine doctor and do some – some fiddling around, like that's a great diagnostic criteria for indicating that there's something broken there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. What do you think about breakfast though? Is, are, are you a big breakfast guy? Are you hungry in the morning? Is it more of something where you go by how hungry you are
2: or, I, or do you I think it's go by how hungry I am? And you know, I've, I've played with that. And again, for me personally, it's been interesting as I, I usually do, um, my jujitsu class at 11am, uh, uh, most days. And, um, it, I've tried going into that fasted and it's been just a train. I, I, I already get mauled and killed by all the twenty-year-old guys and <laughs> when I go into it like that. It's just yeah. even worse. Some so. Things
1: just don't work well, you know. I find that body weight exercises, where you're just doing some reps, I, I can mm-hmm. do that fairly well in a fasted state. But any heavy weight training yeah. or like Muay Thai lessons or something like that, forget it. Yeah. Man. You just feel your energy. just so, first <laughs> few minutes,
2: <You're> just, it's <laughs> just like give give the dude your wallet, <laughs> your morning house. Like you're you're done. You know, it's yeah. like okay, you mugged me, and I'm good. so so yeah. You know, I I. Played with that stuff, but again, you know, people vary on that. Like uh, uh, some people feel really good going into it. Kind of an interesting thing. If you're doing some really demanding uh, glycolytic work, then we're uh, producing a lot of uh, uh, hydrogen ions. We're in a net acid load environment. We're shuttling a ton of blood uh, towards the muscles. If you don't have food in your gut then there's no competition or there's less competition going on between blood being shut into the gut for right. digestion right. versus out to the muscles. And so you can make an argument that, um, you know, if you feel good uh, doing that stuff in a little bit of a fasted state or, you, you know, just not like a, a large meal within proximity of, of training, right. there might be an argument for doing that. But again, you you kind of have to fiddle that stuff out. And at the end of the day, I've really settled on this this spot of like whatever gives you the best performance yes whether it's mm-hmm. pre-workout yes. nutrition post-workout nutrition whatever and you know it there's a couple of okay. it's kind of like if you if there are those games where like you drop a marble at the top and it rattles through these little pegs and then it you know it lands at the bottom i feel like we've got a couple of logic trees that it's like well try a if a doesn't work then go to b if b doesn't work then go to c And we have a couple of logic trees with that where you you can get yourself pretty dialed in. And chances are it may be different than your buddy that you're training with, at least in a a few little areas. But it's not that difficult to really get people kicking along at some very good performance, great body composition. But, you know, we just have to do a little bit of fiddling. Some people will do pretty well with some fasted, uh, uh, you know, uh, training doing glycolytic work and other people, it's going to be an absolute train wreck.
0: Yeah. Yes. Like now, Steve, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that for those that function pretty well on that fast state, for like, let's say a training program early in the morning, do you suggest that they have a pretty decent, you know, meal full of nutrients and calories the night before, like for their dinner Not, and probably let's say a little closer to bedtime, probably about, let's say about an hour or two outside of before they go to bed in order to just really help fuel them. So, they're pretty much are breaking this down while they're sleeping and kind of putting these in reserve, putting these nutrients in reserves before they go into that training state the next morning. How do you feel about it, that?
2: Th- that makes sense, you know, because, I mean, we're just uh, we're not going as long in kind of a, a fasted state. So that that totally makes sense versus, <laughs> you know, you do a really early uh, like kind of the way that I've broken things down. I do my I try to do my dinner around like five, five thirty. And then I get to play <laughs> with my daughter and, and do all that stuff, put her down to bed and then I usually don't eat again until about eight or nine a.m. the next day, and so what, I'm somewhere around like a 13 to 16 hour quote fast in that period of time. Right. Then I do a pretty good meal around like 8 a.m. and then I start rolling at 11. And what I find is that my my you know the food's emptied out of my gut. I've got good energy levels, and then I do some good post workout nutrition, some some bananas. Uh, I, I've actually. Kind of moved away from doing. Uh, I was doing some whey protein, and I, God, I just I can't make dairy work for me. I get action from <laughs> yeah, it; it, yeah. it makes my joints craky, and all that. Yeah. Um, it, so, uh, it, but yeah, that that you know, if I if I were to really try to goose this thing towards being in a fasted state, then I would try to make that meal later. Uh, as close to bedtime as i could and then it would compress that that window that i was actually fasting.
1: Yeah, Steve yeah. Reeves, the legendary bodybuilder Steve Reeves was a big fan of that. He's for example, if you were going to work out Monday morning, he would look at Sunday as a refuel day in right. particular dinner, making sure that you take in a good amount of nutrition then to fuel you the next day. I find that with workouts, if i have let's say a pre-workout shake about 2 hours before training, that's optimal it's too right. close to training, then, like you said, energy is going towards digestion. You don't feel as energetic for your workout. About two hours beforehand, though, perfect sweet spot for me. I go right. into pretty much – if I time it right, every workout will be consistently good. Right. If somehow that's off. But even, even still, if the nutrition the day before was off, that has a real detrimental effect on the workout the next day. So, for example, if Sunday I didn't take in enough fuel or the right fuel – even if I have a good pre-workout meal on Monday, a couple hours before, it's still going to be a crappy workout. Right. So there's, I think there's really something mm-hmm. to be said about day-to-day nutrition being important. People often yeah. look at, it "Was like, okay, I'm working out today, so I need to make sure I have this dialed in." Yeah, but it's fact, it's too little, too late.
2: It's yeah. should have been thinking about it yeah. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Now with with proteins, have you tried any? Have you tried pea protein or anything like that?
2: I did, and uh, they gave me gas that my daughter thought was hilarious, and my wife <laughs> nearly, nearly divorced. Me like, so you're was, just not
1: good with certain yeah, things. Exactly. Man. Pea protein, yeah, dairy, man. you but just it just does not work for you. I,
2: I, I've tried some hemp protein and do pretty well with that, but I, yeah. I tried like some of the pea proteins, and and oh man, my daughter just thought to, it, it, it was kind of cool because I, I've. Uh, got my daughter convinced that whenever I fart, it's actually my wife that is farting. So she's like, mama farted, you know, and, and uh, so it's pretty hilarious. But, um, you know, it, it also at some point when when it literally sounds like a 50 a gallon whoopee cushion, just like deflating <laughs> with a 45 pound plate on it. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah there, there's
1: just, there's, there's you know, a lot of times people feel like they need to do all this testing and so forth to ascertain <laughs> whether their gut health is good or not. But there there's some organic <laughs> testing exactly. that
0: that is pretty obvious, right? I mean if you have a meal and the rest of the night you're just ripping and you're, you're ripping and you look pregnant your like you're about to have an alien, look like you know, an episode of V from the eighties is like something's growing <laughs> right. on your stomach. Like there's a hint. <laughs> You don't need to eat that anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, I'll stick with hemp protein and sardines post workout. Probably right. okay.
0: I, I had this uh tempe sandwich
1: oh, in God. in Arizona. Where was this in Arizona? Flagstaff. I was up there with my brother, and I mean, it it caused so much gas that it was all the way up in my sternum. It was just miserable. <laughs> like I don't oh, need to God, eat this ever again <laughs> in my life, man. This is terrible. Yeah, this is the this is a horrible feeling and that makes you really. Sympathize for people that have gut issues where like well, this is their daily experience. God, that's got to be miserable, man. Right. There's no way you're going to feel good mentally with that going on all the time. There's no way you're going to have confidence. You don't have any real energy because so much energy is being wasted with all the gut issues you have. Right. So that, that's I, I think that's the one area that there's there's good people putting out great information about the importance of gut health. But I've re, I still feel that that's a big disconnect with the masses where they really don't understand how critical that is! Where if your gut is not healthy, it doesn't matter what supplements you take or what you're eating, and you're not getting the full benefits yeah. of any of that. You're not even
2: right. absorbing that
0: stuff half the time. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it, uh, you know, talking about poop is just not a very. Sexy I was just. It's a hard sell and that I don't want
1: to
0: hear about their poop eyes, so. <laughs> But you know what's funny? No, to my I, I don't know, Rob. Um, there's something about it. it's like once you are married, you start to realize like you know what women y'all talk about farting and pooping more than men ever do. Like what right. is up with that? But the, 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 with, with the each house. other, they don't want to talk about it with us because all of a sudden it's like oh that's no, not ladylike. But when they get around their friends, they talk about poop far more than we do. Like damn, what are y'all six? <laughs> like seriously, man. But you know I also think that also that what's happening now there is this. I even see these memes going around like you know what's what's in your shit you know i see this meme but it's on facebook i'm like wow we're going there now so now you start having this focus like what's your poop thanks to dr oz (laughs) who's (laughs) the poop master dr oz is like the poop master i think this dude is real i think that is straight up a fetish of his because he's always talking about poop and then that gets everybody else excited about poop which is funny just to say in itself but no one talks about farting i said you know what? before you get to the poop let's talk about your farts how often are you farting and all that and think about that it's not just this thing where it happens and you start Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, we there we go. I guess Skype didn't appreciate me saying, you know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to talk. I, mean, I, I, I thought I got dropped, so I was keeping silent. Then I get the this. N- the NSA us. shut us down. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we will not be talking about pooping and farting and shitting and all that because then you'll blame the GMOs. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, no, guys, but, I, I, this has been a great uh, podcast,
2: I would love to come back on, but my wife is actually uh, tapping her foot, looking at me because we gotta hit a midwife. Yeah, we appreciate so.
1: it. I knew we wanted to wrap it up yeah. around this time, so we really appreciate you coming on, man. Everyone, check out robwolf.com. dot Check out the Paleo Solution. Rob has a lot of great information on his website, his blog, his podcast, his book. So check all that stuff out. And thanks again for coming
2: on, man. <laughs> Very informative really great honor being on i am a huge fan of what you guys do uh, uh just always doing fantastic work so uh i'll get you guys both on on my podcast and uh, uh we'll we'll raise it uh, you guys bringing me on yours brought down property values bringing you on <laughs> mine will will raise property <laughs> values. So, yeah. so
1: i think you're i think you're definitely gonna help our show out so we, we appreciate it man you have a great day thanks man awesome guys take care, take care bro. bye-bye thanks a lot take care Again that's Rob Wolf. Check out the paleo solution. Check out robwolf.com. Check out his podcast and you know, keep an open mind. A lot of times people don't want to listen to people that they automatically disagree with. They're like, "Well, I don't I don't follow that, so I don't want to hear what he has to say." And you know that that's a limited way to look at stuff because you're always going to pick even when people have totally opposing ideas to you, often there are certain gems that you would have missed out on otherwise Exactly. Right, by just not having that open mind. So you don't have to agree with everything someone says in order to learn something from them. Exactly. So,
0: and, and a lot of times you probably already formed an opinion about that person before you actually get to know them. You probably go like, oh, he's probably this, this, and this. And then you listen, like, wait a minute, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't what I thought. OK, right. maybe, you know, maybe I need to look into more of his stuff now and not just go by what I've been reading on the Internet and and or what these dogmatic jackasses have been saying and then putting all that on. Well, Rob Wolf says this and Rob, Rob didn't say that. It's kind of like all those Buddha quotes you see on all these memes. Buddha didn't say that. So it's the same thing, man. So, yeah.
1: And then you have to look at how someone's evolved, right? So someone named yeah. Rob's <laughs> book, which came out several years ago. And they don't realize that that's several years ago and that he's actually evolved his message since then. So you have to look at what's current. You know, don't look at what someone wrote. Don't look at an article I wrote ten years ago and then and then quote me on that is as what I believe necessarily 100% now exactly. because chances my message has evolved since then. Now, here's a message that is that you, you want to utilize, <laughs> and that's using coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements, the best testosterone booster, recovery oil to make sure you get that sleep at night, have good adrenal health, and my Restorezome to balance cortisol, lower inflammation. A lot of people don't realize that. Cortisol goes way up when your inflammation goes way up. So balance your inflammation, and you'll naturally drive cortisol to a healthy level. So get on Restores on, and use that coupon code to get it. Now, also my videos, my T-shirts, my eBooks, you can get 10% off everything using that coupon code LLA. And don't forget to look at the Live Life Aggressively podcast summit course information on our respective websites on mikemahler.com and i don't know if it's on your website oh, since you're it's, it's, still, right, it's um, a
0: link to yours so you know since okay. that's where everybody's signing up so therefore we don't confuse people like oh let me try to sign up here you know just take some right there since you have all the information on your site so get got a few spots open up so
1: get on that yeah. before it sells out again because it will sell out completely in no time there's no doubt about that exactly exactly
0: and also ho- head over to newwarriortraining.com type in that, that same <laughs> coupon code l-l-a And that'll get you 10% off of my Body training DVD, 10% off of the digital copy of the Wellness Code, 10% off of my Weight Management 101 course, as well as 10% off of the Chirrilla Doors drip coffee pour-over stands that are imported straight out of Costa Rica, giving you some of the best coffee that you probably ever will ever have. And it'll make you just look at pour-over coffee and that method in a totally different light. So you can also get 10% off of those. So just same thing. And yeah, when words. you come
1: out, you come out to the Vegas course, you can use that coupon code to get 10% off lap dances at the Spearman <laughs> Rhino at Treasures. See, <laughs> you know? see man, Mike <laughs> hooked it up. That's off, that's 10% <laughs> off the bar at the South Point where the hotel deals are. You know? Hey man, That's Mr. Las Vegas right there. He hooked it all up for you guys. So. Yeah, we're going to get the LLA cards out for Vegas. <laughs> you just go anywhere. Hey, man, LLA card. LLA.
0: Oh, well, come on in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the magic phrase for getting it anywhere. You know? <laughs> You go to the cigar shop down the road, L L A, boom,
0: free cigar. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, folks. So yeah, man. So also people, make sure you head over to Stitcher and also head over to iTunes. Leave us a review. Let us know what's going on, what you how you feel about the show, man. Share what you like about the show with the rest of the world out there. So for those new people coming along that come across this and they're wondering, like, okay, what's the show really about? Well, hey, you've already given your opinion and they can see what how you feel about it. That'll just make them want to just jump on the LLA bandwagon in the team a little bit faster. That, that's a form
1: of currency, too. So, yes, I mean, If you're someone who's financially strapped and you're going, man, I'd love to support Sincere and Mike, but I, I just don't have the money right now. Well, if you enjoy the show, which is free, then a the way for you to reciprocate is mm-hmm. to give us a review, spread the word about how you're enjoying the show. Yep. <laughs> and then – Get your financial situation straight. <laughs> you know, so use the information that we talked about up there to get – we're going to have to have some financial experts come on the show yeah, for our yeah. benefit, right? So we can get more of our listeners financially lucrative so that they can – have extra money
0: to spend on all the great products and services we provide. So there we go. And even participate in the lifestyle that we talk about all the time. So therefore, they're not just living vicariously through us, (laughs) you know, so you can get out there and do the same thing. You too can go to Costa Rica. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, man. So yeah, we'll do all that. All right, folks. Another great week of shows here. So keep all the feedback coming. Head over to those websites and we'll see each and every one of you on the next show. Take care, everybody.